0: hi everyone thanks for joining uh today i am speaking with eli Steele. eli is a filmmaker he's the president of man of steel productions and he's made uh films such as how jack became black what's bugging seth what killed michael brown which he did with his father shelby Steele, and currently he's working on a new film with his father white guilt hi eli thank you very much for coming on
1: thank you much for having me
0: uh, um So I mentioned you're working on this new film, White Guilt, with your father. Now, I'm assuming it's related to his book, White Guilt, or is it something separate?
1: No, it is related. Um, My father wrote that book in 2007, I believe. America changed so much since then. We've had President Obama. We've had President Trump we've had um, DEI, we've had identity policies, we've just had Michael Brown, Trayvon Martin, Freddie Gray. Uh, I mean, it's just Black Lives Matters. So much has happened in that in that meantime between 2007 and now. And um, we were talking about that. And I'm like, this is a different America. And I think that This empty here, I'm not sure what, but it is empty here about the idea of white guilt. And I think um, it's only grown as a phenomenon and just keep getting bigger and bigger. And so let's try to tackle that.
0: Okay. Um, On that point, so I have to confess, the first time I heard the title white guilt, it was when I was doing a deep dive into critical race theory. And I mean, I spent about 18 months reading Almost Nothing But, um, which is mind-numbing, just to say the least. But anyways, it's, you know, and then I heard about the book, and I was, my instant reaction was, okay, this is just going to be another one of these, you know, CRT, woke-type things. I had no clue, and um, so after reading all that CRT stuff, the first book I'd read immediately after doing, like I said, about 18 months of CRT was... Thomas Chatterton Williams book, um, uh, you know, uh, a portrait in black and white. I'd read that, which was absolutely refreshing to read that after, you know, all the CRT nonsense. Um, and then I read White Guilt and I was, you know, very pleasantly surprised because it was not at all what I expected. It was not, you know, like because you know, I was just like thinking that ah, great. But so <clears throat> what you're talking about now, yeah, I think you know, white guilt or shame or whatever you want to call it. I think that's, that's gotten worse, but I think there's also an overcorrection happening. Whereas you're getting a consciousness of a white racial identity that you didn't, I mean, you had it, you know, we had, you've always had things like the KKK and, you know, whites, you know, white nationalists, whatever, but you didn't really have a growing white, you know, race-based identity, sort of like that. Um, and I'm that like the, the guilt is bad enough because people will do all kinds of stupid things. But the other side, the overcorrection, that's what I find a bit worrying.
1: Yes. Um, I mean, we have to have to understand America in that time in the 1960s. If you go back and you listen to videos, uh, segregationist. They would say things like they will, they will corrupt Christianity. They will corrupt the Enlightenment. They will corrupt stomach to justify the slavery or the um, the, the segregation away from the black man. They, you you would hear things like, for example, they would say things like a, a white woman would tell a black servant, you know, God loves you, but God doesn't love you the same way he loves white people. So you need to be the best that you should be on this earth. Be the best person. Because maybe you go to heaven and you'll be right. So they were say things like that. And I mean, that was the perversity of the language. And But what's interesting in that is that white person had that moral authority. They thought that they were on the side of God. They had the righteousness. So then you go to the 1960s. And you have President the B. and you have Martin Luther King, all telling you, you're wrong. Your entire way of thinking is wrong. And this is everybody, this is a lot of people, it was not just the southerners, it was the northerners, it was everybody yeah. who really thinks he's wrong. So like my father's days, that was a created enormous vacuum of moral authority. You're all a sudden evil. You oppress the people for so long. What do you do with that? The first thing you want to do is prove that you're innocent. You want to say, I'm not like those people. And so that's the right guilt. It's the right guilt is not necessarily guilt. It is more to disassociate yourself from that history. That you're, that you're not a racist. So the problem was at that moment in the 1960s where we say, okay, we did a, a, a great wrong. We did not live up to the American principle. We're going to redeem. We're going to try to redeem the country. And I give people a lot of credit for that. And I also give a, have a lot of empathy because how do you know what's the right way at that moment? Yeah. You just don't know. And so that's why I still they were in a period of massive uh correction, and that's why I have a lot of hope. But at that moment they made one bit the mistake. They made it more about white innocence than black development. And that's been the biggest problem, I think, in, in America.
0: Yeah, okay. So that what you just said there, that's okay. So I'm not a fan of critical race theory, I'm not a fan of Derek Bell but I'll give some credit where credit is due. And one of the things I thought Bell got really right was when he wrote his paper uh, serving two masters, he talked about Brown versus the board of education. And he said the biggest problem was that they desegregated schools when they should have desegregated education, which made sense because the consequences of like, you know, Brown versus board was you had um, the Rosenwald schools, like just take those for examples, which were these schools that Booker T. Washington, you know, helped found and it was, uh, I think it was uh, the guy from Sears who was funding it. And so they shut down because they were black schools. Now, there was, you know, there was the, the feeling at the time, like what you're talking about, okay, we're white, we're superior to you. So if you had a white school that was failing, yet you had one of these Rosenwald schools and the kids were doing really well, you couldn't get white families to go to a black school. Like, I don't think that would have been possible back then. So okay. I, I agree with Bell that you should have worked on the education. So instead of busing kids an hour or two hours each way, fix the schools, get the neighbor surrounding neighbors to say, okay, this is a good school. We'll all send our kids there. And have segregation end more naturally than in a forced manner. And I think, you know, there is some truth to that.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, we're, we're talking about a little bit uh, different time periods. Yeah. But, um, well, the, I think the reason why the Rosenwald World World School did really well was because they focused on development. Yeah. It was just focused on that. If you watch a movie like, the Great Debaters. Um, I think that was produced by Denzel Washington um, uh, and about George Farmer, if, I, if I'm correct, who later found um, CORE. If you watch that, you'll see the brilliant of uh, the Black students, you'll see the brilliant because it was just all about education and yes with integration it was i mean integration was not done perfectly. <laughs> um, we're still dealing with that in um in LAUSD, uh los angeles unified school district had the magnet program and the the sole reason most people think the magnet program is for academic excellence no the primary reason is integration so that's why they give points to black students or more points you believe in Code. So we still had that. And um, I agree completely that the worst thing that we did was um, not take a look at, at uh, what was working and keep that and get rid of what was not working. So absolutely, if the right group is being in the regime not gone to that, we put, again, we put integration above education. Yeah. And that is another form of white right guilt. That's where you get in the way. We need to have diversity. We need to have an integrated school. We need to do this. But we'll shut down that really good school. But why? Yeah.
0: Yeah. like. And this is where I've caught flack for saying this before. And it's so this is like okay, from if I go back to when I grew up, so you know, my family moved to Canada, I was an immigrant growing up. You know, we grew up in an affluent neighborhood, and it was, you know, white upper class people. And I didn't face racism per se, but there was always this: you're kind of, you're kind of different and whatever. But it was the feeling I get from them, and more and more now from like the progressives, like the way they talk about marginalized groups or whatever. It's like take a David Duke; they'll say, "Okay, you're black, you're brown, you're whatever. Yeah, you screwed your shit up. Now I have to come fix it, right? But at least." They're giving me the agency of having screwed my shit up. Whereas one of these new progressives, it's, no, 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 no. We caused all your problems. Now we have to come fix them up. Like, I wasn't even capable enough to screw my own shit up. I needed you to come and screw it up for me. And it's like, it. it I find that doubly racist. Like, when people say the soft bigotry of low expectations, I'm like, no, it's not soft. It's hard. It, it, it's not a soft bigotry you're, you're really looking down on people you're saying they're not capable of you know better and that's you know in my mind that's worse than like i said an outright you know like someone like a david duke or you know uh, some guy, some member of the clan or whatever who's just outright like yeah your skin color is wrong so you're wrong and that's and that's just you know that's stupid on its own way but like i said the, this other kind i find a little bit more insidious
1: yes um... If I, when I look back on, um, on my, on my childhood and, and listen to the, the elders, I was fortunate to have so many people come to, um, our house mm-hmm. and just sit there and listen to people. And what was, what was very clear was last under segregation were not a racial group. They were human beings. They were being oppressed. So it was almost a weird thing because being oppressed and being told to stay on, on that side of the color line. Mm-hmm. There we go, but we're human beings, we like you. So the whites were almost inferior because they have racialized themselves. And so here's the today, so blacks will have a little bit, uh, almost a little bit of sympathy for the whites because the whites were beholding to the idea of white supremacy. They have to be superior to us, they have to lie about the Bible, they have to lie about so much to see that illusion of superiority. Well, really, if you had a black like my grandfather, who was a student of the Enlightenment, who knew, who were books despite having a third grade education, he knew more about America than those whites did. And so that's why we marched to the Civil Rights Movement. You are marching for America, you were standing to the whites, you're wrong. It they all men are equal, you're wrong, mm-hmm. and so here's the mistake though. Why would we, as the race, I'm not saying I, I keep saying that, but yeah. why, what happened? Why would we, at the at the end of the this then turn around and place our faith back in the hands of those people, those people that were dumb enough to believe in the idea of race supremacy, and so that's a big mistake. If we had stayed in our, our, our own, it's started our own path, they had enough belief in ourselves, it would be a different country. Yeah, I mean, I... See, like...
0: So, you know, some of that... You know, my family moved to Canada in the mid-'70s, so... And again, I'm in Canada, not the States, so I, you know, a lot of this I, I miss out, but what I'm thinking about when I see that is <clears throat> it went from a mentality of... Because, okay... I just want to frame this correctly. So I've you know spoken to a few people, and one of the people I've spoken to, I, I did some work with uh, with him um, in this thing called Counterweight, which had been started by Helen Pluckrose, and it was uh, so we'd done some work together there. And you know he was telling me about and and uh, Wink is black, and he was telling me about you know his family growing up after slavery, growing up in Jim Crow, growing up with redlining. And, you know, he said, well, my uncle started building homes and he was building homes in black neighborhoods. So, you know, things like that were possible. Now, he didn't discount that there was, you know, obviously impediments that were put in place that didn't make things easier. But, yeah, he was saying the same kind of thing. Like, we should talk about even in those hard times and like in those tough times, how people managed to be successful at this point you should be like, there's even less impediments in front of you and whatever is, is, is is in there. Can I get flack for saying this, but it it comes from in some, or a lot of it comes from internal, like inside the, you know, the communities. And like, when I say communities, I mean like the neighborhoods and stuff, like it's, you know, some of that needs to be fixed. Like, but if you say that now there's an issue, like, you're like, so Wink's actually starting that now. He's, he's, uh, He's working with the uh, Institute for Liberal Values, and he's. I think they're also doing some stuff with Free Black Thought, where they put up. Um, he's doing a. He's a lawyer, so he's doing a history of black lawyers, even through, you know, even going back to like the eighteen hundreds, like pre Civil War, all the way down, and you know, these were people who were practicing. So he's putting up that kind of stuff and just saying, okay, this was done under those harsh conditions. We can do better now. And oh, that's- that, yeah. So
1: yeah, you- I mean, um, w, you know, w, um, I at WSt is saying something like, um, well, we need all this money, we need all this infrastructure if you're going to teach uh, black kids how to read. We. Well, you know, black, I mean, not not all black people, but the black people learned how to read under um, slavery, mm-hmm. where they had no resources, they had nothing. I mean, we have Brother Douglas, you have Nat Turner. All of them learn how to read. Um, and so we think that we keep thinking the solution is outside of ourselves. And there's a the in the Black community that I really hear much more, which was, what's wrong with you? Why can't you do what you want to do? You have two feet. You have two hands. You have two eyes. You have a nose. You have two ears. You have a brain you are the most powerful thing on this earth and you are just giving away and waiting for somebody else to help you yeah and i mean it's a little bit of a hard it's a little bit of a hard truth but but sometimes people need to hear that i'm not saying and and yes not every human being is capable of that but it's something that you have in especially in america where you have the individual. You have freedom. It's an idea that we have completely taken away. That idea that that aspiration needs to be put back in. And those who can, maybe look, you may not get there to the top, but you certainly will land a lot higher than where you were before. Yeah, and that's yeah.
0: But okay, one of the things you mentioned, okay, like teaching kids to read. So I, like, I've been speaking to teachers and I've been speaking to parents, and it's like if you look at the stats, it's I think on average nationwide, it's something like 65% can't read or write at grade level when they graduate high school. Hey, that's crazy. And now, one of my big issues with all this stuff, uh, be it CRT or the gender stuff or anything right? like any of this quote unquote progressive nonsense, we're arguing about whether or not CRT is being taught in K through 12, when we should be arguing about the fact that kids can't read. Yes. you know, Okay. And now you want to argue that, okay, bringing in a CRT curriculum is not going to help kids read. That's, you know, that it, I can, I, I agree with that, but you know, that, that is something good to be argued, but the argument should be centered on kids can't read or kids can't do math. You know, um, I think it was in Baltimore. It was like
1: 93% or
0: 97% of black kids couldn't read.
1: You know, well, I thought them did a hundred. I oh, mean, which I find, I mean, that's shocking. we really is. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, you know, yeah. So the, at, at that point, I think there needs to be some money spent, but it's got to be spent wisely. It's uh, like, you know, again, speaking to teachers, speaking to parent groups, it's not that money isn't already being spent. Like, if you look at the education system, it's badly spent. Like, you Know, let's go hire a DEI consultant, uh, yeah. which
1: you know, no. yeah, um, I, yeah, I think your point is to a huge problem because I think we are in an era of bad ideas. I yeah. mean, yeah, it's just really, I mean, I, I mean I'm just saying it's a bad idea. Uh, I mean, okay, she or she, okay, I mean. You know, growing up in my, my, my mother's Jewish, my brother, my father's black, uh, my neighborhood was very mixed. So we would talk about race, we would talk about ethnicity, but it was more to understand the history and to derive lesson from it. So you would look at things racially, but it was not as a trap. That's what TRC is. That's a difference. TRC is you must look at it racially and find how you are oppressed under that. But well, we didn't do that. We were looking through our family history for inspiration. Oh my God, my 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 great grandfather was born a slave. I better get up and go to school. I better yeah. you know, better myself. I better I mean I I, I I owe it to them, to that history. Should be a better American, should hold on. So that's sort of where I'm, that's where I dip, that's where I dip from three, like candy. I look at him and I go, okay, you're making a lot of money. You make a lot more money than I do. Like, uh, I don't know, a lot of money, a lot of money. But where your where your t-shirt is the anti shirt of the black that I grew up with. I cannot think, I mean, you know, and a lot of them would be on the left, but I cannot, I cannot see any of them. Agree with that should that, destroyed, um, negative view uh, uh of our country or even us as the people. Because yeah. you add into that binary that we are oppressed. Yeah, I mean you're in that. Yeah.
0: That okay, the, the the whole Kendi view. Um you know and Kendy's view is just basically a really bad read on Fanon. And not I don't know if you've read uh France Fanon. Um yeah, so right. the wretched of the you know the wretched of the earth, he basically does say that the only way an oppressed people can get over it is by oppressing their oppressor, and Kendi's yeah, just uh, uh, over here though. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So Kendi's doing a very watered down version of that. It's like someone who read you know the 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 cover yeah. notes for for the Wretched of the Earth and build a build the thought process on it, and but but it's you know. It is reductionist, but it's also creating conflict. I I bring up this example a lot. There's a school in New York City, uh, the Fieldstone Academy. It's K through eight. They charge, I think, forty five thousand dollars a year, and they started in two thousand fifteen. They separated, so they took kids from grade three to grade eight, and they separated them in affinity groups, and they said, "We're going to talk about your races." They told everyone except for the white kids you're oppressed and it's whitey's fault and they told the white kids you know you oppressed everyone like you're e- within a few months these kids were going online you know what's bad about being white what's bad about being black what's bad you know and they turned into racial ideologues and the school to this day is still having racist racial problems so like what i'm saying is You've we've done this and we've seen what it happens, and yet we're still pumping more money into this. This is where it's going. And you know, yeah, some of the things that are happening against it I find go too far, but instead of fixing this, now all the concentrations on oh well DeSantis is going too far, Texas is going too far. It's like, Well, those people already went too far the other way.
1: <laughs> yes. Well, here's the, I mean he uh, remember um right and father day, is Black Power. So Candy is Black Power. He is the modern, modern-day version of Black Power. Um. So he is milky white guilt. I mean, he's a milky, he's basically, but what he is saying is so traitorous to our legacy, uh, where we come from as a people. Because she's basically saying that at the time of the most freedom, at the time of the most wealth, we are depending upon the wise for our uplift. We have to, the rights have to stop us in order for us to do better. Well, if you tell a kid that, if you tell a kid that, that he's just a looking, it becomes another excuse for you, better. it becomes another excuse not to be the best you can be. You are depending upon this. I mean, just think about what, what do you mean by white people? Your, 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 uh, your white grandma down the street oppressing you? I mean, <laughs> you, yeah. know, it, you know, it, 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 it really gets you a point where really. and then the, No, no. The, the, the oppression, the real oppression is actually the person that's telling you this lie. Yeah. And so that's, where, and so that's what people have to understand. They're making money off of it. They're taking they take taking something that was so um, horrific. I mean, it was something that was barbaric beyond what we can imagine. And they're taking that and the property off of the history. My grandfather, who uh, was born in 1900, when I, I give you, when when they, when they, he was a, he, he marched to the civil rights movement for, um, for you know, over 20 years. He was one of the boundary members of the core. And the minute they passed the Civil rights bill in this C4, DC5, and DC7, this, seven, this, this, this is seven. you know what he did? He went and bought a house in a neighborhood that he wanted to. He moved on with his life. He lived for another um maybe only about seven more years in pure freedom. He didn't sit there and say, What can the white man do for me? He said, I am free now, I'm gonna go buy my house and live as a free man wherever I want. I'm gonna look whoever I want in the eye. That's real power. Not this stuff that telling done, is, which is your opéra."
0: Um yeah, no, what I was saying, like what you were talking about with the neighborhoods and your know, people doing for themselves and like looking back, saying it was done before, we have it better now, we should be able to do it. One of the things I think was a huge problem is like, and it relates to white guilt. I don't know if you read uh, Jonathan Rauch's book, Kindly Inquisitors. He he talks about the humanitarian threat to liberal science. So he was talking about speech codes in the late 80s and early 90s in universities. And he was talking about things like that. He was saying, well, you know, it's how can you not want to fight racism? We have to go you know, we have to get rid of this language. It's hateful. How can you not do this? It's going after people's sympathy. So with the white guilt, I think part, a huge part of the problem was, um, and I'm taking a guess here and also based on, I did a lot of work overseas and I saw a lot of aid agencies and I was in disaster areas and, you know, I saw how they worked and they decided what was best for the people instead of asking the people what they needed, which, you know, makes more like like I said it has some problems so going back to like after the civil rights movement after the civil rights you know era and like you know Martin Luther King going all the way through up so let's say starting about their 70s instead of white organizations and white politicians feeling bad for what had happened which I'm not saying they shouldn't feel bad like look at it and say no net we won't do that again. But instead of being wallowing in guilt and say, well, we have to go fix this now, they went and did what they thought was needed to be done. Like, this is my view, and it just that they didn't ask, they didn't go to the neighborhood and say, what do you need? Like, do you need uh, a community center? Do you need, like, instead of, like, giving out, like, okay, look, the reparations talk. and I don't want to talk about reparations, but instead of saying, okay, you know, do you need like businesses in your neighborhood. So you're a plumber. Will the government will loan you $20,000 to start up a plumbing shop. You pay the the government back, you know, low interest, whatever, like you, but now I'm, I'm not saying that you're not, you're not giving that person money or whatever, but you're investing in the communities. You're investing in those things and you're letting the people decide what they're going to do. And they're taking control of their future. Whereas, The government coming in saying we're going to do this we're going to do that oh you need a community center you need this you need that i think that's i think i was like that that part of the white guilt i think was was the worst part of it it's we have to make up for what we did it's like well it wasn't really you you know it might have been some of the politicians were probably still around before but you know like it wasn't really you it was done before you so you can't right the wrongs of the past, you can make sure you never do them again, but like you know, like ask the people what they need instead of telling them. And I I find that's a huge problem with any kind of aid, any kind of you know intervention. Like
1: yes, in the beginning, you said something like um that person the writers there why why we should not want to bait the racism. Yeah. Who that da- who who does it? I mean, me one person who doesn't. Yeah. Okay, maybe David Duke. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, but, but the point here really is what that person though it, what the step touch of that phrase is fighting racism is my identity. That's the problem. When you make that your identity, when you make anti racist your identity, well then that's who you are. You are what you do. So if you're going around looking for racism, well, you have to look really hard. You have to go down to microaggression in the in the black community, or especially my part of it, the joke was microaggression. Okay, we made progress. <laughs> 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 because you guys know, oh you touch my hair or something. I mean, you know, um I, I you know, I, I I live in a I live in a very diverse community. I live in um I've got wealthy people on one side of me, and I've got undocumented, huge undocumented population right behind me. So do we say the wrong thing sometimes? Do we the people in the wrong country? Do we have people where they're mm-hmm. from? Yes, we do. But you know what? We're trying to understand the people around us. And you are going to make mistakes. Those are not microaggressions. But the point here really is, if it's your identity, it should be racism. It should be, uh, if your identity fight discrimination, if it's your identity, you fight racism. Then that's where you get your esteem from. That's where you get your redemption from. And it's a very dangerous force because then you're forcing the person to help you support your own view. And if that person does not support your view, you throw them out. You say you're not, you're not the right kind of black. You're not the right kind of Muslim. You're out oh. Oh. because you're not supporting my view of you. Well, that's, that's very insidious. And so that's the biggest problem that I have, because I, I've had this even, um, this, is, this is a universal condition. Um, you know, I was born dead, profoundly debt If I take this off, I hear nothing. I cannot tell you how many times people will think, oh, you know what? When I went to high school, if you got into God of death, University or Cal State Northridge those are two of the destination schools for the deaf if you got into that you did good but I'd be like well why why do i have to go through a deaf school mm-hmm. i want to be a, i want to do film i want to go to film school <laughs> you know i i yeah i i, I sure <laughs> the point was the point was that was the view of me they felt good about themselves you know saying that like you should get through, you, you could get into a deaf school they were but, no, no, no. My, my ambition is higher. And so I think a lot of blacks, they've had to make a decision in their life. Do you listen to those people? Or do you reject those people? And my, my take on it is, very politely, but I had to remove myself from those people in order for me to live my life.
0: Yeah, but I mean the identity thing, like, okay, so I don't know if you've heard this or not. Um, and again, just because I was reading a lot of this, so it was on the deaf identity, and there was a whole thing about if you're putting in cochlear implants, you know, if you can find a way to fix you know, get rid of, you know fix everyone's problems with their hearing so there's no more deaf people and like quote unquote serious people said that's
1: a a genocide on the
0: deaf identity
1: and uh, and it it wasn't. Um I I have a, a lot of people in the deaf community hate my gosh. They hate me, they hate me for right what, what stand for. And uh not all of them, but a lot of them do. And um, for example, the most ridiculous idea was, okay, if you should trace your deaf ancestry back, like four or five generations to death, then you're really deaf. I say, oh, so I'm not. If you communicate, you see ASL, do you really deaf. Okay, so I'm not. But I will, I will have a, a worse hearing loss than most deaf people do. I have a 95 dB hearing loss, which is literally 10 dB the way to be stone deaf, meaning impossible to hear. I'm on the bottom. So you tell me that I'm not deaf. Why? Because my parents, Struggled. I mean, it took me. I would, I'll give you the best story. So I was diagnosed as, as uh, having a hearing loss when I was a year old. I had the um, hearing aid put in when I was 18 months. I didn't say my first word until I was four. So that's a lot of therapy. That's a lot of people calling my parents abusive because they kept believing they kept finally give me therapy, therapy, therapy. And when I said my first word, it was over. My brain quit. My because how do you teach a baby that can't hear? That it should talk. Yeah. I mean you have to tell the because the baby's happy, the baby just doesn't know that the sound. So the baby doesn't know that they're supposed to talk back. So that's one of the most difficult things to do is teach that baby how to speak back. And, and so for one, I got it, I got it. And um, and I was very thankful. I should not actually be actually um, qualified there. I was very fortunate that I had no other disability, no other learning disability, no other complication. I was just there. Some other deaf people have other complications. Don't bother. So that makes it much, much more difficult. But in the deaf culture, it became a ranky, of a pecky order. And that's ridiculous. That's I have no no time or patience with that. It's like who's blacker than than who? And yeah. who who who? And once upon a time in America, it was who was whiter than who. Yeah. It's just a dumb. It's it, it's just. I mean, if you want to go down that rabbit hole.
0: Yeah, I mean that like that. What you're talking about there? Um, I mean, I wanted to get into this, and I'm glad you brought it up. So I'll talk about Canada and then you can talk about it more in general. So we're teaching, the Canadian government is teaching our diplomats and our foreign service. You know that stupid thing that was in the Smithsonian that, uh you know, professionalism is white supremacy culture, punctuality. Canada is teaching that to our foreign service and our diplomats. Okay, So that's the first thing. And that is, those are ideas that uphold white supremacy. Our Ministry of Immigration mm. defines white privilege as Regardless of your race or your skin color, if you have ideas that uphold white supremacy, you have white privilege. Ergo, professionalism, punctuality, love of the written word. So, you know, Jews have white privilege. There was a conference in Toronto about brown complicity in white supremacy. Um, You know, it's ridiculous. Like, Asians have white privilege. Asians are white-adjacent. And it's creating a rise in anti-Semitism. It's coming, you know, directly from the left. It's creating a, ri- a rise in anti-Asian, you know, bigotry, whether it be East Asian or South Asian. You know, it's and you're getting different groups. So if you're in a majority white country and you're saying the white people are oppressive, instead of getting all the different racial groups together, if if that's you know if that's your thing and that's what you're you're dividing the racial groups. So you're, you know, you know, if I was someone in the KKK, I'd be cheering them along. I'm like, go keep doing what you're doing
1: because it's yeah. helping me out. Like, yes, yeah. but the worst, the worst thing that we did after eliminating the racial order of white supremacy, we're creating a new one, and I think that's where we've stayed in the last 10 years is the creation of a new racial order. And this racial order, think, think about how instillious uh, this racial order is, because this racial order stays Black. Well, I'm, I'm usually just Black, just in this standpoint, because it, it all comes from that history. Yeah. And everybody else get caught up in it. I'm, yeah. to, I'm just saying that I'm, I'm very mindful that there are all these other American, uh, other uh, other nationalities, ethnicities yeah. in there. But it comes from what we did to Black people. And so now, here in the freedom, where we finally get our rights, we take away the ladders. We take away the ladders of uplift. We tell them punctuality is white supremacy. This, all these tools that you need to become successful. Mm-hmm. If you go to China, if you go to France, they follow the, if you go to Africa, to certain countries in Africa, they follow the same things. You have to be on time. You have to work hard. You have to do your job. But in America, we say that's white supremacy. We need to take that away and, and, and do what? We, I mean, we need those tools. We need those things to build up, to build up our country. And we want to take that away in the name of um anti-Americanism. Shame about our country. Okay, you feel shame about it. But you know what? It's my turn. It's my turn. I am literally the first young, uh, male in my family that was not born under any form of oppression. My kids are so spoiled. They grow up in the America. They have, I mean, everything, and and they are so lucky and so, I mean, they they literally probably have the best life of any human being in this distance on this earth. You know, just, and 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 the middle middle class here, they're not rich, but just the amount of wealth that we have, and so we create this new racial order here to, to, to control people, and then we come up with all of these Contrast again, just a racial contrast, just like the white supremacist did. Yep. Oh, you, oh, you're too good, you're white right, Jason. Oh, you, you, you're not a Jew. You, you because we want to remove that, that oppression labor from you at the Holocaust to make you white. Because in America, you were white people. Well, my grandfather came here from the Holocaust. Okay, so he spent five years in Europe basically being chased around by white people. He came to America you think that he would be welcome? No. America did not care about him. The Irish cops in New York City, where he was a were anti-Semitic. Locked him up almost every week, threw him in jail. So, so I'm just, so what, what privilege did he have? The one thing is these academics, this again, these, 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 these academics, you should produce great ideas, novel. I mean, you know, stuff like that. Now they should produce these just, Punk, racial punk. This is oh, it, 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 the stuff
0: I've read, and I wish some of these papers I kept, you know, or uh, just bookmarked the links because, I mean, I uh, I read one that talked about how the slaves that were brought over to the United States, their labor helped the slave masters and helped the whites, so it helped the colonial powers wipe out the Native Americans. So the slaves were partially responsible for the genocide of the Native Americans. Now. Yeah. That's insane. Okay. I mean yeah. that, that helps no one. But yeah. to say that the slaves, because they people profited off their labor, slaves are responsible for the genocide of the Native Americans, like or partially. I mean, no no, I'm sorry I'm sorry, that, that's crazy. Like and, and someone yes. got a someone got a PhD for writing that.
1: Yes. You know? Yeah. I think that's a big part of our culture should be problem with our culture if we don't have standards anymore. Anybody you know anybody should publish now. You know, my father, actually my father we, we got stomachy rejection letters from his very first essay. I mean, I think it was like five this year, people would laugh at him. I mean, you know, like, oh, we are gonna what are you doing? So I'm I'm writing. I'm writing, so what are you doing with this time? Mean, you should go in this little office and you write. Like, what are you doing? So it's, and then he would get he knew he would he would go to the post office with the man, a manila envelope mm-hmm. for the next Magazine. Because he knew it was going to be a rejection. And he was just take, the, take it out, put in the new mm-hmm. one, setting it off. And when he finally got that phone call, that he got accepted, I did the very the very first one with um Commentary commentary Magazine. He fell on the floor. You know, he couldn't believe that he got that phone call. Because it was, it was just so much difficulty to get your idea out there, to, to write at a certain level. And sure, so that's why we see the academics, They don't have to go do any of that. Their they're, they're, identity trumped everything. So, they, if you if you're black, you don't necessarily. I mean, you, I don't know. I mean, I'm i trying to be I'm trying to be um, crude or AD here, but um, at at, at the point in my age, my my patience is still a little bit thin. I'll, I'm one hundred percent with you. Like, yeah, i, I, yeah, I I'm like this.
0: This is nuts. Like, you know. A writer is a good writer whether they're a good writer if they're white if they're black if they're brown if they're Jewish if they're whatever,
1: right? I can show you like I got I've got an Englishman right here, Graham Greene. I've got right here Gabriel Garcia Marquette. I mean, <laughs> I have a, I've got a she writer right here. So I mean, my bookshelf and then of course my one of my favorite writers, Rob Ellison. Yeah i'm just saying that's just one little piece of my bookshelf and so it's i was not raised that way i was raised read your book. you learn about cultures you can't learn everything in life but you should surely travel through reading and yeah. and i think that's a big part a big part of it is through reading I'll, I'll give you an example Those so it's yours lorraine happens um, you we were very lucky to get our kids into um, a, a charter school, a published a charter school in, in LA. After George Floyd, they basically say, okay, we're going to ban some of these books. We're going to ban, how could we are going to ban some other books. So they, so I, so I said, well, we, so we, what was the new English reading list? Turns out they were all pretty much all black authors. Now, I don't have a problem. If the quality black authors, it is yeah. happy 100%. But these were books like the hate you give, all the best stuff. And which might have my, I would have a problem with my kid and read that on his own. But for me, reading really is not about reading. It's about learning how to read. It's about learning how to comprehend different texts from different types of very difficult writers. That's uh-huh. an issue of reading comprehension. And that would be myth. And so I, so after a year of this, after reading all these Black authors, and that my son, this in the house, he has nothing about, you know, stories about pride, overcoming achievement. So I asked him, I said, well, what did you think about after all these books? And he didn't want to answer me. And I said, well, what did you think? And he said, weak. And I said, what do you mean, weak? And he said, well, these books make Black people look weak. So you're telling me that this newly woke school uh, is finally teaching my kid diversity, but the lesson that he got with the black people are weak. Yeah. Uh, and that it, goes against everything. Uh, but 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 that, that, this, this household t shirt.
0: That's okay. Like I you know, I, I I compared Bell to to Baldwin. So if you read Derek Bell's um Faces at the Bottom of the Well, and then you read something by Baldwin. Baldwin does not shy away from the gritty part, from anything that was bad. Baldwin, you know, but Baldwin has a message of hope. Whereas Derek Bell, I mean, I mean, it's in the title, you know, faces at the bottom of the well, the permanence of racism. And it's, you know, and like, the like it's, it's a depressing book. It's got a very, you know, like I said, it, it looks down on, on, Black people. It looks certainly looks. I mean, you know, certainly looks down on black people. It also looks down on white people. It, you know, black people can't get ahead unless white people let them up. And it's. I mean, it was written in what eighty nine or ninety. It's like I'm sorry. At that point, I thought it was a little earlier. um... Faces the bottom of the well. Okay, maybe I got the the date wrong. Uh, maybe it was okay, but still, it was still written at. You know. It wasn't written right after the Civil Rights Act. It was written, you know, like a couple of decades later, but it, things had gotten better. And to write that, and then it's like that kind of attitude, or some of the, like one of the books I read, um, Acting White, and I know there's a few with that title, but this one was, I mean, the, 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 the prologue is about how the Obamas acted white and why you shouldn't. And then the rest of the book is like, You know, why act white, uh, speaking white? uh, It's just like, it's just ridiculous. I'm like, I read that book and all I could think of was are you telling black people not to be uppity? Like, that's all I could think of.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so many, so many bad ideas. Um, I mean, because basically, I, learn how to actually actually their person learn how to speak and hear. Oh. I can't remember this, that quote. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh Black Lives Matter, probably around 2014, 2015. They had like their uh um what do you call it their um belief, their their statement, mm-hmm. what they believe in as an organization. And they had something and I can't remember this that word, but I know if you probably go back to what you call mm-hmm. the the way back Machine or something, mm-hmm. pull up the old document. But it was something like if a disabled person was to move in the direction of being like, yeah, the able body. Like you had a cochlear implant, mm-hmm. speak listen, and That was the form of white supremacy. So at that point that's where I said, okay, I you know, I gave Black Lives Matter a little bit of credibility at the very beginning. Okay. Body cam. Yeah. I think it's a good idea. You know, I give them credit for pushing that. Because it helped both sides in a way. But we start pretty poisonous ideas in there where, oh so I need to be what I need to be uh do you want me to be? Not doing anything. I mean, um I mean nah. <laughs> not be a part of, the, of of society. I mean, um so it, it's then a very, very um anti-American or anti-achievement message to people that if you try to be successful, you try to be part of the mainstream law. Now, I'm not saying that I'm i that there's a normal range, but if you, if you try to be if you try to make your mark on this law. Tell them how you're a white supremacist. Well, then, then, you know, I mean, my boss should put a bullet in your head. I mean, why try? But the, yeah. I mean, I actually don't know where you go with that because I know where you look. I know where you like to be in identity groups. I know where you like to sit there and see everything through just black land or see the world through just the death land. I know what it's like, and it's over the one hour for me, because that's how, that's as far as you should go. Once you go past that one hour, you start repeating yourself. Yeah. There's no, because you can't grow. You can, you know, take a chance upon yourself. You just sit there and go, you know, I've got five generations of deafness behind me. My great, great granddaddy was deaf. And so deaf pride. Okay. But what have you done? What have you done with your life? Oh, that's white supremacy.
0: Okay, you know, I agree with you, but one thing I will also say is the other side of it, um, and this not necessarily coming from white supremacists or anything, but oh, I'm I'm proud of Western culture. Okay, you can be proud of what it's achieved, but and I mean, I consider myself, you know, I grew up in Canada. I didn't grow up in India. You know, I consider myself Western. So, you know, I, I respect the enlightenment. I'm, you know, if a, you know, like I'm, I don't, don't want to say I'm proud, but I, I respect it. I appreciate it. I want to save it. I think that's, you know, the best thing we've got right now. And, but if someone says, oh, okay, I'm proud of Western culture, it's like, well, what do you mean by proud of it? It's like, if you're not going to, if you're going to be that proud of Western culture, then also be, just as shameful as just as guilty of everything bad that happened like you can't take like don't take on all the guilt and don't take on all the pride you can accept that you know the bad stuff happened you can appreciate the good stuff and appreciate that you're now not living in bad times but remember that you know that bad stuff happened and we need to preserve this good stuff like i i think there has to be a balance in that like i you know I, i i don't want People just take pride and, oh, I'm Western, so I take pride in the Enlightenment because it's mine. No, the Enlightenment is everyone's.
1: Yeah. I don't, I don't, well, for me, it's not something about pride. Hmm. If we didn't come up with it, if it had not be come up with in the past, I think that we would come up with it now because we're just talking about really a universal principle. <laughs> I mean, the idea of the individual, the idea of freedom. I was just in Providence, um, Rhode Island, and I was at the park where the, this is the birth of freedom of religion. Oh, wow, okay. So 16 something, you know, 1630 uh, or something, but this is the, this is the um, so that so sort of what the Enlightenment is. It's basically principle, and those are the American principle. But what I would say is the people have failed to live up to the principles back then. And we are families who live up to those principles today. The principles are just principles. It is the people. It's up to the people to do what they want with those principles. We see people that come from other countries here and practice those principles better than born, uh, Native-born American, I mean, uh, American-born people mean mm-hmm. people born in America. We see that all the time. And maybe they understand the principles better because of where they came from. And, you know, there's a, there's a thing which you called a cradle Catholic versus somebody who has, you go through the conversion process to become a Catholic. Yeah. Sometimes the people that really had to work hard to become a Catholic and convert are better Catholics than the ones that were, were born into the cradle and cradle Catholic. So yeah. they, they, they're not taught. They just, they just, they just, just absorb it, but they're not, they go through the rigorous process. So I think there's a lot of that's a big problem with people in the country. We stay there we go we don't know what these principles mean there we go like they was so easily persuaded to believe the principle the evil and corruptive because certain people did that with the principle.
0: yeah, but I I mean my my take on this is uh I used to say that it happened in like the mid 90s then I heard John McWhorter said, okay, you know, we need to get back to a 1997 mentality and way of thinking and he didn't mean that you know we were better off or whatever but he was just saying it was roughly around that point that all the talk went from the Martin Luther King version of you know content of the character to the Kimber- Kimberly Crenshaw version of you know we need an ide- uh, we need a politics based on identity so it went back to that racial look and so i think if at that point it hadn't taken that turn and if we'd actually stuck with the principle of colorblindness or, you know, let's take race, let's get rid of the concept of race and, you know, and I still think you do need to look at at certain things like in medicine. Okay. If you want to talk about sickle cell, you know, it's, you're not really going to go into white middle-class or white neighborhoods period. You're, you're going to study, you know, mainly black neighborhoods. It also happens in some South Asians, and you're going to look. You're going to look at that. So, I mean, I understand that some groupings have to be done. But as far as social consciousness, or as far as who can go to what school, who can read, who can, you know, like let's take race out of all that. Let's just get rid of that idea. And I think, you know, unfortunate. And so, I, as a consequence of that, a lot of people have. I think you've had a generation, at least, of college kids if not two, that were taught with that lens of intersectionality. It started getting into K through K through 12 education, roughly around 2010, like it was in high schools and then it started spreading. So you do have like a lot of work has to be done. Like my old thing about when I, when I started reading it and seeing how far it had spread and where it started from, I'm like, we've got a generational fight. Like in my mind, it's, you know, if you've had kids go through high school starting in 2010 and they're getting out of they're getting out with a PhD in sociology, and they you know it's done in African American studies and CRT, like that person, I'm sorry, is not fit for purpose. Yes, yes. And it's you know, so we have a generational fight on our hands, and there's you know, I I see People give up too easy. Like the CDC, when the vaccine first came out for COVID, they put out that recommendation that it should be done by race, not by age, which was ridiculous. Yes, they pulled it back. And everyone's like, oh, see, well, the CDC came to its senses. It's like, well, where did that decision come from? And then two years later, you've got med schools putting in diversity oaths above the Hippocratic Oath. You know, yes. I, I, so like, I find that we quit too early we give up, oh, we've won. It's like, I, it just reminds me of, you know, Bush Jr. going to Iraq saying, mission accomplished. Like, no, no, you yeah, haven't
1: won. Yeah. No, it's just, um, we, we, we give up, we also don't want to be called a race shit. We don't want to be called yeah. a trans We don't want to be called an anti-baster, or whatever uh-huh. it is. But, you know, on the whole irony of that, but, okay, we need to give out the vaccine based on race. Meanwhile, it's thanks workers, we have a pre- more minority mm-hmm. you go look you go out there make mm-hmm. I mean, sure we get our food and our toilet paper mm-hmm. I mean come on you know and so yeah and um but it's a way for the country to be appears to be very sure appears should be doing the right thing because minority are so helpless and but here's it's well, what one thing though that for me um you know I think growing up multiracial, Growing up in a California, I've a traveling all over the world and doing documentaries, just talking to people, having intimate conversations like, like with you, all of that really has made the idea of race um, almost meaningless because have I ever met two black people or two Latinos or two Muslims? <laughs> we are the same people? No. No. I mean, it's just we're all individuals. So in the end, you know, I, asked, I one time I um, I asked a doctor of mine, um, who's actually one of the most famous doctors in America, what would you do if you were me and you went to see the doctor and they asked you for your wage? you know who I am? What would you do? And she, being a very progressive person who out there publicly will probably tell you put down your race. To me, she's that I will put down my race. I will put down the race. Why? Make them look at you as an individual. Because even though black mates may be more prone. Oh, I'll give you an example. Um, a friend of mine, um, Jamaican, actually Jamaican, uh, a black from Jamaican. When she did the dash. He had this weird, I I don't know what the symptoms are, but it took about two or three years. They kept looking at him as a black man. Turns out that he had Crohn's disease, which is more Jewish. So they racist all that time if they just listened to what he was telling them, the symptom, this is what I'm feeling, if if I have the story correct. But the point was, you didn't listen to the guy. You didn't look at his body. You looked at his waist. It has to spend two or three years of unnecessary pain. And so you have to I mean, I'm look, I am against this is why I'm I'm against race be used by the government. And I'm not but I'm not the when I say um color blind um not to get the um plug it, play plug my computer. When I say color blinded, I'm not saying that you're blind to color. No. Yes, you see you see it, but what I'm no. saying is. You look past it to the individual because that's always going to give you the full story. I cannot tell you how many times I've looked at somebody and have a stereotype pop in my head and they go, oh my God, how wrong was that? Every, and I know that every human being will sit there and think about how wrong they have been and be honest with themselves. Then the idea of the individual becomes all the more powerful.
0: Look, I, I want to, be conscious of time and i don't want to keep you too too long um but yeah i mean i just you know like what you said so far has been amazing but if you wanted to maybe don't talk like if you want to talk about the movie when it's coming out what you're working on um also if you send me like i know you got robbed in san francisco and you you lost a camera like i know yeah i think you have a GoFundMe or whatever if you want to send me that link i'll put it in the description so that way if people want to donate they can
1: okay awesome yeah yeah that's crazy yeah yeah yeah, Yeah.
0: i don't want to get into that too but yeah
1: you're maybe um 100 150 yards away yeah, a 100 yards away i mean there was the car was in the middle of the block and we were on the corner so we much like you were yeah left the car overnight or anything like that yeah Yeah. that's crazy
0: but yeah like i said if you want to talk about You know, when the if like when you plan on receiving a movie or anything about that or any last words, go
1: ahead. No, I, I, I should date that. Um, I mean, I did, um, you know, um, We keep thinking that there's um, power or redemption in race. But race is what you make of it. So we have to ask ourselves, who are the powers that are deciding what the policies of our racial identities are? And we really need to question those people. Hold them accountable. Use the American freedom of speech, freedom of inquiry and ask them, what do you mean by that? How is this going to lead us to where? Where is the equity stuff going to lead us? Give me your vision. Martin, Martin Luther King gave us a vision. And it's not a utopia. It's a very simple vision that we just don't judge each other by the, by the color of our skin. But there's no power in that. There's no power in what my father writes. There's no power in what Thomas Thoreau writes, except for the power of knowledge. But there's no power over other people. And that's a big difference between a humanitarian and somebody who believes in race. When you use race, you get power over people. When you believe in an individual, you get power over yourself. You power yourself. You become somebody who contributes to the, to the world. If you, this, this is the lesson that will never die. Even if we, if we lose the country, this lesson will still be true. The more the individual develops him or herself, the stronger he or she will be to her family, his or her family, to the community, to the country. That's why the best way forward is you put all that emphasis on developing the individual. That's what most, that's what, I mean, that's what the civil rights movement was about. It was nice to enter into this racial, uh, re-enter into a racial symbiosis with white people, where we are once again, depending upon them for our for our uplift. No, just turn, turn your back on that. Turn your back on all of that. And you see your real power. So right now, too many people in the country are betraying themselves. Uh, no, I mean,
0: that's actually, that's, that's a great place to stop. Um, so once again, thank you very much, Eli. It was amazing speaking with you. Um, I look forward to the new movie when it comes out and uh, I'll put all the links and like I'll put the links to uh, uh like uh, your uh, other documentaries in the in the description and
1: I'll, I'll get them all see right now yeah I can uh, yeah and uh, yeah thank you thank you so much for uh, for having me. I really uh, appreciate that yeah, no thanks a
0: lot so and yeah. thank you everyone for listening. I'll be back.